Well, good evening. It's good to see each and every one of you this evening. And for those of you who are watching us on live stream, we're so glad you're here. You want us really something really cool? This service tonight is actually being watched around the world. Pastor Tim just informed me it's Shanghai, China. We have a member, Kara Stutzman's in Shanghai, China, and she just texted Pastor Tim that she's watching. Hi, Kara. <laughs> You can say hi back by letting Pastor Tim know that we said hi to you. We invite you to take out a Bible in front of you. Tonight we're going to be taking a look at Mark chapter 14, beginning to verse 12. A Bible in front of you, that's going to be page 850. Also to let you know that if you do not have a Bible and you'd like to have one, we feel free to uh, take the one that you're holding in your hand tonight uh, as our gift to you. For those of you who are guests with us, we're so glad that you're here with us tonight. Tonight... We're going to continue with our Easter message series, Future Past. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a look at something that happened close to 2,000 years ago in an upper room in Jerusalem uh, where Jesus had dinner uh, with his disciples. And how what happened in that upper room 2,000 years ago changed the world, changed our future. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be taking a look at tonight. As we, tonight, we, tonight is what we call... Monday, Thursday. How many of you know where that word Monday, Thursday comes from? You want to explain it to me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've been asked that question a couple of times today. First of all, it's kind of obscure. It's, it's really kind of obscure. There's a number of different theories or, uh, that, where it came from. In Germany, they call it Green Thursday. Uh, but in John chapter 14, John chapter uh, 13, verse 34, Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment. Remember, he says, he says, a new commandment I give you is to love one another. Well, in the Latin, in the Latin, the word commandment is mandatum. And so that's where we get Monday from, okay? Another uh, possibility is that Monday Thursday comes from the name of the baskets that they used to use to deliver food uh, to people who were in need. Those are mando baskets. And so... Uh, that's a theory as to where we get Monday, Thursday from. Regardless, it's the night which Christ, the night before he, uh, he was betrayed uh, in the garden. And of course, he's on his road, he's on the road to his crucifixion, his passion. And tonight we're going to be taking a look at it. We're going to be taking a look at how God's love and God's grace came through in that upper room. As God's love and God's grace comes through in this entire passion account. Uh, more of what you're going to hear about uh, tomorrow. Uh, from Pastor Tim on Good Friday, and then, of course, on Easter uh, with Pastor Tim here. And so it's all about God's grace. We're going to see how that comes through, even in the upper room. And we're going to hear all about this in the words from Mark, uh, chapter 14, uh, beginning at verse 12. If you want to follow along with me uh, as we read through that. And on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover. And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? Where, am I, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, there prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, 
one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They, became, they began to be sorrowful and to say to him, one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. So here we have Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, and everything that happened, everything that happened in that upper room on that Thursday night was completely unexpected. Everything that the disciples encountered was completely unexpected. Have you ever gone to a celebration, or maybe a wedding or a festive holiday, a birthday party, and everyone's in a good mood and having a great time, and everyone's celebrating, and then something happens, or someone says something that completely, that's unexpected, completely changes the mood of the whole, of the whole situation. You ever have that happen to you? Yeah, okay, number, I remember years ago, um, uh, it wasn't someone, something someone said, it was something someone did. Uh, my son was maybe what, he was like maybe six or seven at the time, and it was Thanksgiving. And here, uh, my dear wife had been cooking all day, and uh, we had all the family over our house, and we're all gathered in the dining room, and we're just getting ready to sit down to eat, and all the food is out, and Stephen comes running into the dining room and hits his head on the corner of the china cabinet and split his head open. And, of course, right away, we have to go off to the hospital, we have to get stitches, and, of course, there goes the festive mood, there goes the food, there goes... So you ever had, and that's what happens to the disciples tonight. It's, not, it's completely unexpected, and the whole mood of the dinner uh, is changed. Jesus and his disciples, they prepare for, and they meet to observe the Passover meal. The atmosphere of the Passover meal, of course, again, was one of celebration. Because what they're doing is they're celebrating the time that Jesus, or God, had brought his children, the Jews, out of captivity in Egypt. Remember? Uh, he had sent Moses to go and to bring the people out. And uh, that he did. And on the night that uh, God did that, there the angel, uh, the death, God spread death over the entire land. And that was the Passover. The people that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, they were passed over. And so that God ordered the people to celebrate that uh, after that date every year. And that's what they were doing. They were getting ready to celebrate the fact that God had brought down Pharaoh's uh, mighty army. And so here they are getting ready. I mean, can you just imagine? So if you read Mark, if you look at what we read, just read, can you imagine uh, the disciples going out and all of the hustle and bustle and the busyness of uh, going out and buying all of the things that were necessary for the meal of the lamb and the herbs and the spices that were used? Uh, they go out and they gather it all, and that this is the year that the Messiah is going to come and going to free them from Roman rule. Because that's what the Jews thought that the Messiah was going to do. They thought that the Messiah was going to come and free them from the captivity of the Romans. It's all kind of created an air of anticipation and celebration and excitement. And not a, a lot of like our uh, 24th of December, a lot of like um, our Christmas Eve, how we get ready to celebrate Christmas. But the words that Jesus spoke the words that Jesus spoke that night during the Passover meal changed all that, changed the mood of the dinner and changed the focus. The first unexpected thing that happened that night in the upper room was that Jesus, according to the Gospel of John, was that Jesus washed 
his disciples' feet. Now, a washing of the feet was something that usually a servant would do. So here the disciples come, and they gather into the upper room to uh, eat the Passover meal, and right away Jesus does something unexpected. He puts on the, the clothes of the foot washer, the slave, and he washes his disciples' feet. So doing, what he's doing is he's demonstrating the kind of love that he wants them to show for one another. He's also demonstrating for them the kind of love that he is going to express for them on the cross the following day. The love that he demonstrated that love, that love the love that he demonstrated that lot that night, it knew no bounds. It knew no bounds for his disciples that were there, and he, it knew no bounds for you and for me. That wasn't the only thing that was unexpected. There's more. And we read about that in Mark 14, 18. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, this one, this one that Jesus is talking about is not somebody that they invited in off the street. It's not like they went outside and said, hey, you don't want to come up and have dinner with us. This is one of them. This is one of them. It's Judas. It's one of them who is going to betray them. Now think about this. If you knew, if you knew that you were going to die tonight, or you were going to die tomorrow, or you were going to die a horrible death, and the one who is going to arrange that for you, would you invite them over for dinner tonight? Would you invite them over? Now, you and I, we might invite them over for dinner, but it wouldn't be to show them love. We might invite them over for some, out of some sort of sense of justice or something, but not Jesus. Not Jesus. Here's Judas. He knows that Judas is going to betray him, but what does Jesus, God's grace and love comes through again. It came through in the foot washing. It comes through again in his expression of love for, G- for Judas. He feeds him. He loves him. He washes his feet. He shows him love. It's hard for you and I to think about the fact that Judas, here, one of Jesus' disciples, somebody who Jesus handpicked, handpicked, and now for three and a half years had walked with Jesus, and Jesus taught him and had been with him. It's hard for you and I to imagine that he would betray him. But betraying Christ is not something that Judas thought of at the last moment. He's been working on this plan for quite a while. And as we read in Mark, Jesus says that his fate, his fate is going to be so horrible that it would have been better if he had not been born. So it's with these words, it's with these words by Jesus, the whole atmosphere of this celebration, this dinner that they're having begins to change. There's a traitor among us. Unexpected. Unexpected. There's more unexpected. And we read about that in 14, 22 through 24. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. See, the disciples that night, as they entered the upper room with Jesus to celebrate the Passover, they were expecting a Passover like they had always celebrated with him. This wasn't the first time. This wasn't the first Passover meal. But yet, Jesus changed the whole meaning of the meal. 
See, during the Passover meal, there were four cups of wine that were passed during the meal. There were four cups of wine that were passed that everybody was to drink from. And there were blessings that were said over each cup of wine. And the blessings, there were certain words, certain blessings that were to be said to remember the blessings that God had blessed his people with. The meal itself, the meal itself consisted of sharing bitter herbs which reminded them of their journey in the desert. And then the first cup would be passed. Then they would eat unleavened bread, which reminded them of the manna that God supplied for them while they traveled in the desert. The second cup would be passed, followed by the eating of the lamb. Then the third cup would be passed. And this cup, the third cup, was known as the cup of blessing. Then they would sing some songs, and then they would pass the fourth cup. When it came time during this meal for the eating of the bread and the drinking of the third cup, Jesus changed the words that were spoken over the bread and changed the words that were spoken over the wine. During the eating of the bread, he said, Take, eat, this is my body. During the passing of the cup of blessing, the words that were supposed to have been said were, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. But Jesus changes that. He changes that when he said, Take, this is my body. He took the cup, and when he gave it to them, he gave thanks, and he said, Drink from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Now, you can just imagine. So, we get here, and Jesus is washing our feet. That wasn't expected. And now he tells us there's a traitor in the room, and now he's changing the words to what he's supposed to be saying. You can just imagine the disciples are sitting there kind of going like, huh? What's happening here? It's completely unexpected. But Jesus took... The meal, he took that Passover meal and the bread and the wine that they were eating and drinking, and he changed it and made it into the context of himself, into the context of himself. So not only was there a traitor in the room, but now deeper sadness enters into the celebration with all this talk of death and body and blood being poured out. And what would happen during the following days is clear that the disciples didn't pick up on the rest of what Jesus said. That Jesus said that the covenant and that this covenant was for many. He was talking about the significance, the significance of his death, that his blood would be the means of redemption, the means of redemption for all people. And this is not what the disciples could understand at that point. His death will be redemptive. It signified the phrase for many that they can't see it, for their minds have not yet been opened. All they hear are the words, blood poured out. So what Jesus said added more of the unexpected. And then in Mark 14, 25, we read, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day. Drink it new in the kingdom of God. John, John in his gospel, he writes that Jesus also said, a little while and you will see me no more. Now, what do you suppose these disciples were thinking? What do you suppose that they were thinking? 
they are probably thinking about the fact that the presence of Jesus, this, their Lord, this person they've been with for three and a half years, that they're no longer going to see his face. They're no longer going to experience his love. All they can think about is loss. That's all they can think about. Three and a half years, their lives have been focused around his presence. And now he says, in just a little while, he will be gone. It's the end of their world. It's the end of their world. And this news hits them hard, hits them in the pit of their stomach like a lead weight. So from this vantage point, from this vantage point, all the disciples can hear is talk of separation. And the disciples' actions over the next couple of days are going to show that they didn't hear that promise until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. The death that they are going to witness, the death that they are going to witness in the next couple of days, in their minds is going to shatter all hope of any kind of a relationship with Jesus. And so with these statements, Jesus has clouded this customary celebration, this Passover meal that is supposed to be a time of joy and celebration. It certainly isn't what was going on next door or in the lower room of the house or down the street. So after the meal, they, sung, they sang a hymn and they headed out to the Garden of Gethsemane. So all of this, the unexpected by the disciples, from all that went on at the Passover meal to what happened afterward, it kept them from focusing on Jesus. It kept them from focusing on him and his promises. But yet in all of this, God's grace and his love was present. His love and his grace were present. It was all about the redemption of the world. All about the redemption of the world until his second coming in glory. And then we read, then we read in Mark 14, 22 and 24. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Now we come to what happened in that room 2,000 years ago. And how what Jesus did changed our future. In that here, in these words, he instituted Holy Communion for our benefit. It changed our future. It's necessary for you and for me to understand just what it is that we are receiving in this Lord's Supper that he instituted that night. You know, it's in the Lord's Supper that God has found a way to communicate with us on a spiritual level. There's an inner you, and there's an outer you. That inner you is your faith, your soul. And that soul needs to be fed, just like your body physically needs to be fed. And Jesus in Holy Communion has found a way to communicate with us in our world through Holy Communion. Because you think about this. We can see the bread and the wine. We can taste the bread and the wine. And we can hear the words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It's in Holy Communion that Jesus communicates all of that to us and that we receive the Holy, Holy Communion and the forgiveness of sins. This is why he invites us to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of sins. And boy, do we need it. We need that forgiveness of sins. 
We need forgiveness of sins for the times that we may have acted like Peter and that we have denied him in our daily life. We need forgiveness of sins for the times that we may have acted like Judas and that we may have betrayed him with a kiss, a kiss of pretended devotion, a kiss of religious works, or a kiss of indifference and apathy. See, yes, you and I believe in Jesus Christ. God, by his grace, has brought us to faith in Jesus Christ through the gospel. But here's the deal. We're still flesh and bone. We're still human beings. We are still sinners. We have what lives inside of us. They call it the old Adam, the sinful flesh. Okay? Original sin. And that is what Satan is constantly going after us in our daily life. Each and every single day. He's attacking it. And he's trying to wear us down. And he wants us to get to the point where we just either give up our faith or we lose heart and become apathetic. And, it's, and it often what happens to you and to me is that we do stumble and that we do stumble. And it's not just ourselves. It's all the things that go on in the world that Satan brings up to us to try and distract us from the words of Jesus. It's the unexpected things that happen in our daily life. What question for you, I have for you tonight is, what unexpected thing may be happening in your life right now that is keeping you and distracting you from your life with Jesus or the words that he has spoken to us? Whatever threatens to rob you of your full attention to Christ, exchange it for what Jesus wants to tell you tonight. That's why it's called food for the soul. That's why it's called food for the soul. Because it gives us nourishment and it strengthens us from day to day so that we may not grow weary and tired. You and I know that the Christian life is supposed to be one of continually growing in faith and the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But yet we know that we are going to suffer a lot in this world. There's a lot of things that we're going to face and a lot of temptations. The devil, he's a lying enemy. He is a lying enemy. And when he sees that he cannot rout us by force, what he's going to do is he's going to start to sneak around. He's going to start to get real crafty. But he's not going to quit. He's going to keep it up every single day, every single minute of your life, because he wants to keep you away from your Savior. He wants to keep you away from Jesus Christ. He wants to distract you from those words that Jesus speaks to you until we grow indifferent or impatient. It's for those times. It's for that kind of a thing that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper to refresh us and to give us strength from day to day. So whatever threatens to rob you tonight, whatever unexpected thing that you have going on in your life tonight that is robbing you of your joy in Christ, let it go and hear the words that Jesus has said to you. That he will drink the fruit of the vine with you again in the kingdom of God. And that one day you will see Jesus face to face. Now what's bothering you tonight, maybe it does seem huge. Maybe it does seem huge in your life. Maybe it's future, your health, your finances, your family plans. But don't let them overwhelm you. Our God is bigger than that. And he's overcome it all. It's here in this body and blood, this meal that we are going to celebrate in just a few minutes. It's in this meal, the Lord's Supper, 
that we receive all of his promises for the future because of what he did in the past that go way beyond, go way beyond all of our boldest hopes. He holds before us tonight the promise of sitting with him at that heavenly feast. Bothered by what they heard that night in the upper room, the disciples missed that promise that night. They didn't quite yet understand it. They will in the days to come. For us, the future is glorious. It's with Christ in his kingdom. Place of the greatest feast of victory, of which this meal is but a brief foretaste of what is to come. Don't let whatever bothers you, a company that came in here with you tonight and is bothering you, don't leave here without it. Don't let it drown out those words that Christ has for you tonight. Refocus your attention from sadness to joy, from the world to Christ, and the blessings that he has for you. If you join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do indeed come to you tonight. We give thanks and praise to you for your great love for us. Jesus, we are so thankful to you that you have gone willingly to the cross for us and that what you did in that upper room 2,000 years ago changed our future. So now, through faith in you, we have the forgiveness of sins and the promise of seeing you again one day face to face. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. In preparation for Holy Communion tonight, we are going to first have a time of silence for you to confess your sins to your Creator. But then we are also going to have a confession of sins, a congregational response um, of confession of sins. And obviously, my part's the pastor part, and yours would be uh, the congregation part. So if you uh, join with me for a time of silence as we confess our sins. Let us confess our sins. Lord, we come before you. We share a meal with you that you have prepared. We desire to be honest about our dishonesty. We confess our selfish ways in our earthly relationships and in our eternal relationship with you. Our hearts are open and surrender. We confess our lust, our lies, our secrets, and our stains. Knowing you are the God of forgiveness. We know that you are the God who brings to the dark parts of our hearts and minds. We know that there is healing and infinite grace to be found in you. We know you are the one true God who offers salvation and purifies our selfish hearts and washes clean our stains. We confess that we are sinners. 
God, we confess that you are our Savior. You freely gave us your body and blood, and you have washed us clean, and you are forgiven, that we are forgiven by the great sacrifice of your Son. God, we God, we can <laughs> as a call today to serve of Christ by his command and his stead, I announce God's grace and forgiveness to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the night in which he betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to them and he said, Drink from it all of you. This cup is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Come now and receive that forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus. Please stand for the blessing. Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith till one day we all partake of his feast in heaven. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today in all your days. And let's remain standing as we sing this closing song. Amen.